I'm Luca Doncic and this is Locked On Mavericks Podcast. This is gonna be huge. Yeah. 360 in the contract. Never that. I just take the contact. I bring it back. I'm running on the fast break behind the back. Yeah, this that, this that, this that. Jerk with the back. Welcome. You are locked on to the Dallas Mavericks. My name is Nick Angstead, media member at MavsMoneyBall.com, and I am joined. As always, by my co-host, writer at Mavs.com. What you got for me, Isaac Harris? Hallelujah. What did you think? It was amazing. About, about the Ringer's Hallelujah video today. I thought it was amazing. I thought it was very good. It's very well done. It's well written. I I hate parodies that are not well written. Because sometimes people do parodies and you're like, there's like 10 cringeworthy lines and you're like, ah, it was a stretch or, ah, you didn't even change. Like if they don't change the words in a line for a song, it drives me nuts. Like they leave it in there because they can't think of something else. Yeah. They couldn't think of something else that that drives me nuts, but it was very good. Isaac's Isaac's voice is awesome. Not yours, but I I know. Thank you. (laughs) Isaac Lee's voice is awesome. Um, yeah. I thought he, I thought he, I thought he sung the crap out of that. Oh, heck yeah. That's like, not just coming up with the stuff, but it was quite the key that he put that in. <laughs> yeah, you uh, didn't he? Uh, he was the one who sang the washed Carmelo wash. Yeah, right? yeah, Carmelo's wash. <laughs> uh, Isaac Lee is a producer. If y'all don't know, he's a producer for The Ringer and some of their podcasts and stuff. Uh, he he does. I don't know. He might moonlight as a singer, but uh, <laughs> uh, he's talented with that. And oh my gosh, I'm pretty sure Luca retweeted that today. Didn't he did. He? Yeah, he did. He retweeted it. He liked it. You know that made their day. Oh, heck that, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's your goal right there. I mean, you, they, uh, the amount of time they probably spent I just on saw that. Jason Gallagher, who, uh, former Mavs Moneyball writer and current ringer person. He uh, he tweeted this video of Steve Kerr talking on a radio show saying that Steve Kerr had heard the song today and that he loved it. No way. How random, Steve Kerr. But <laughs> <laughs> Does Steve Kerr have burner accounts? But he yeah. actually has a Twitter account. But yeah, go to... Uh, Go to the ringer and go watch the Hallelujah video. It's great. I showed it to my wife and she got very mad at it. And I was like, why are you so upset at this? She's like, you could have done that. Why didn't you do that? Yeah. <laughs> She's like, why didn't you do that? Yes. Like, sometimes Nick, you just don't get the ideas. Nick Nick, uh, Nick could have done this, but he's waiting on his chance, though. Uh, Nick has parodies on. What was your, have you, what was your last Mavericks one? I did the, the, uh, the Hooked on a Feeling song. Luca. Oh yeah, yeah. Luca, 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 Luca. Yes. I yes, should have waited yes. till a little bit into the season, but that's okay. I remember that. I remember that. Yep. But you have a good one on Philly and oh, the yeah. Lakers. That one. <laughs> the Philly one. The Philly one is a is a Hamilton song, and it's about trusting the process. It's just, it's right after, it's right after Sam Hinkie got fired, and uh, I I went on. TV in Philadelphia, like an NBC affiliate in, in <laughs> Philadelphia. And uh, I was interviewed by John Gonzalez, who's now on The Ringer. That's the most random thing ever. Isn't it? <laughs> so anyway, go to my YouTube channel, Nick Van Exit, and you can uh, see some of the old parodies too. I have some. I have a Kobe one. My best video was the uh, Lakers tank anthem that I made like five years ago. And uh, it got taken down by Kanye West's group. It was off of that that song, The Good Life. Welcome to the good life. Nick's videos just get flagged. Um, real quick on the Hallelujah song by The Ringer, uh, my favorite line is the baffling 
uh, Kings took <laughs> Bagley over Luca. Bagley over Luca. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's so many great lines in there, but uh, I laugh uh, really hard at that. Yeah, go listen to it. It's definitely worth it. Today, if you can't tell, this is a grab bag show. These are some of the best shows that we always do. I hope you enjoyed yesterday. If you didn't listen to yesterday's show, go listen to it. We ranked Luca among all active NBA players. And some non-active players. Like Isaac said he was better than Michael Jordan. It was just it was a wild take Stop. by you. So our grab bag shows, we just grab like a whole bunch of random topics. We talked about the Hallelujah video. We're going to talk about the Jonathan Charks piece that he wrote for The Ringer, which is about Dallas Mavericks. Lots of Dallas Mavericks coverage on The Ringer today. So yes, shout out, yes. To, shout out to them. Finally getting some getting some love over there. Did you did you have anybody reach out to you about our pod yesterday? Because I had one person uh, text me and said I, I had a bunch of tweets early on but not as many yes. throughout the day um i had somebody text me earlier today and uh said wait do you really believe that luca is better than ben simmons right now see i had somebody or, or i that... had somebody tweet us that said ben simmons over luca is a trash take <laughs> somebody says well, like the exact opposite and uh, I was like, he was like, because I saw that, and I didn't know if it was just like for the podcast for entertainment or if yeah. you really believe that. And I'm like, no, bro, I really do believe that right now. Yeah, like, <laughs> and, okay, uh, like we're not Stephen A. Smith on here. We're not coming, and I love Stephen A. Smith, but we're not coming out here making up opinions. This is like what we actually think. Yeah, and uh, he his response was, uh, "We need to have this conversation in person." <laughs> <laughs> and uh, uh so i look forward to that but no yeah i think i think that uh i think that comparison and it's not very big right now and we uh, we've talked about it a little bit but i think over the next uh over this year and maybe next year i think that comparison uh will be brought up a lot i think luca will overtake mitchell in the who's better between so him and ben simmons just because their games are more similar and, and their just that style. Yes. Their height and the way they play and, you know, the shots they take are the exact same. And you know. The shots they're taking. <laughs> I actually did. I tweeted um, Luca's shot chart compared to Ben Simmons, and it's insane how different it is. Did you really? Yeah, if you look at their shot charts. How were we just talking about Ben Simmons' stats before this pod, and you didn't even, like, tell me about this? Oh, sorry. Um like Ben Simmons just has this little crowded shade of dots around the rim and a few smattering around like the mid range, none on the outside. And Lucas is all three point at the top of the key and then all like around the post, like around the basket, all that. Pretty much stuff. everywhere. Pretty much pretty much everywhere. Yeah. There's a little bit there's a little bit everywhere. And then Ben Simmons all like this concentrated area around the rim. It's so it's, doing- it's crazy how different they are. Do me a favor, guys, and go look up uh, Ben Simmons' catch-and-shoot uh, stats and his three-point <laughs> stats and his jumpers outside of seven feet stats. You can uh, go to, you can go to NBA.com slash stats, go under players, go under tracking, and then go under catch-and-shoot. And, catch and shoot. and uh, uh, you'll see. You'll see. You might, you might have to you refresh won't. your page a little bit and try, be trying to find it, but uh, uh, go look those up. They're great. All right, let's take a quick break, and when we come back, let's get into this Jonathan Sharks piece about the future of the Mavericks and the present of the Mavericks. All right, Isaac and everyone, if you haven't read – oh, I know Isaac read this, but if if you guys haven't read the Jonathan Sharks piece on the ringer about the Dallas Mavericks, go read it right now. It had, like, several different titles. There's, there's a title that's on the actual article, and then there's a title when they tweeted it. 
And there's just a lot of different things. So it could be called a bunch of different things. It's something about Luca and Dennis. The Mavs are successful now, but maybe they won't be. Like, maybe their success isn't sustainable. Um, <laughs> I saw on Reddit today that somebody commented, said, Charks knows the Ringer curse is real. So he put that caveat in the title <laughs> to try to protect the Mavs. <laughs> and then somebody else responded to that said, yeah, that's because he's a true MFFL. <laughs> yes, he is. um no i thought this piece was um very well written uh charks is obviously a a friend of ours and a a friend of the podcast he's been on the pod a couple times and um but now the topic that we have talked about this uh, talked about on the the podcast and some people have like reached out to us in a negative sense and be like oh my gosh y'all are bashing dennis you're not about dennis blah blah blah. why why do you keep on bringing up this whole like can he fit with luca and stuff guys this is a um charks wrote about this on a national site like the ringer like this is a i can't stress to you how much this conversation is being taken place um with media uh at games that i mean i've had this conversation in the locker room i've had it outside of locker room and the tunnels like this is the prominent conversation debate around the mavericks right now and it's not just um us it's not about the spot you know like it's not just uh among fans it's it's people around the league so why we mention or talk about it why charks wrote about it a whole story on it is because this is this is the cloud right now good or bad that is around the Mavericks that Dallas has to figure out if this is the pairing going into the future. It's the biggest long-term story around the Mavericks for this season and then next season too because Dennis isn't going anywhere unless they trade him and we'll probably come up with some trades at the trade deadline <laughs> if it's if it's possible. But this is a this is a big question, a massive question. And I like that that Charks laid it out in this piece, talking about how it's not just a big deal for right now. It's a big deal because the Mavericks can't deal a draft pick until 2021, <laughs> a first round pick at least. So they because they already dealt their 2019 pick, they can't deal 2020 because of the Ted Stepien rule. Ted Stepien was the owner of the Cavs in like the 80s, I think, 70s, 80s. Maybe ninety, some somewhere somewhere a while ago, <laughs> and uh, he traded pretty much all their first round picks for these you know menial talent, and they were just completely devastated. The franchise was devastated for a long time, so they made this rule called the Stepien rule that uh, you can't trade draft picks in consecutive years. So some people sent us trades, and they're like, "Hey, what can we do this this for this pick?" And blah blah. No, because if you trade your pick, then you know uh, you can't trade a pick. You know, and then next year after that. So the Mavericks, let's say they end up in the top five in the lottery and they keep their pick. Then they can trade their 2020 pick, but not until they actually retain the pick. So right now they couldn't do it. Yeah, and that's what he was kind of talking about. Um, really, the basis of the story is so much of the Mavericks' future hinges on Dennis Smith Jr. And that how they can improve their team. Like he starts out, you know, at the very beginning and talking about, Hey, the Mavs starting unit, and this is not uh breaking news to Mavs fans. They're, they're not the greatest starting unit in the league. Uh, they're one of the bottom, they have a net rating of a minus eight. That's one of the worst uh, of among starting units. I've played 150 minutes together. Um, Kind of in comparison, the Magic, which are are doing pretty well right now, they're a plus six. Their starting unit is a plus six. The Raptors starters are a plus sixteen. Uh, so like, <laughs> it's a big I mean, difference. 
<laughs> Obviously, like, Raptors are you know are really good, but when your starting unit is, it has a net rating of a, of a minus eight, then um, th- there's a problem. And he kind of out you know lays that out of how just the roster right now is in this weird spot because you have Harrison Barnes, who's the only player in his prime. And then you have the two cornerstones in, in Dennis and Luca, and then you have these two veterans in Wes Matthews and DeAndre Jordan that are probably on the back half of their careers, and they're both on big expiring contracts. So it's 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 just weird starting unit. They're they're trying to figure out and how these pieces can work, but the whole thing about Dennis is, and when you know Nick was talking about the draft pick, is how do you improve this team yeah. to make it uh, to take that next step? And if it is not, um, he even, he talked about going into free agency next year. And we have, uh, I've been meaning, I've said this on a pod, We I, I want us to dedicate a podcast coming up pretty soon of like an early look into next summer because the Mavericks are going to be one of these teams with a lot of cap space. And a lot of fans right now are just so obsessed with, oh my gosh, we're going to get Chris Middleton. Guys, we're not getting Chris Middleton. I, I can't tell you how many times like. That's just not going to happen. I mean, one, the Bucks are not going to let him go. You're breaking two, Kirk's heart right now. I mean, it's just not going to happen. I mean, <laughs> um, I, I'm sorry. He's going to get a ton of money. And, uh, I, yeah, anyway. But it's just there's by only the, – By the way, before, before you move on real quick. Um, so in the piece it says that the MAP starting unit is one of the worst five-man units in the NBA. If you, you know, round it up to play – to teams – Five man units that have played at least 150 minutes together, it is the worst lineup. <laughs> the Dang. worst lineup by two points. Their net rating is negative 8.8. The next closest is the 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 uh, Rockets with Chris Paul, Tucker, Harden, James Ennis, and Clint Capella. That's the next worst. And then the Bulls at like 4.1. So this it's a bit that's a big difference. Yeah, it is. I mean, I mean it's a massive difference. There's a, I mean, there's a problem right now. Yeah, and so like he talks about how you know this cap space going into next summer. I mean, you even you look at somebody like Philly this past summer, and how they had all this cap space, and they have two top thirty players in Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid, and they still couldn't get Paul George to give them a visit. They still could like they had to go get their third star via trade because they had these assets in Sarge and Covington, and so it's like. You can't bank on this cap space because so many teams will have cap space this summer, yeah. and a lot of these teams are going to be major markets. When I say we're not going to get Chris Middleton, my mindset behind that is, okay, well, Middleton's going to get near max money. He's probably going to stay in Milwaukee. If he does entertain leave Milwaukee, why would he not take that massive money from a, a Lakers team or a Knicks team or somebody like that? Like Middleton can fit with anyone, and people will love to have Chris Middleton on their team. So, um so that's the thing. It's just like the only and where he was kind of laying this out. And Dallas doesn't have much. Um, he said there are only two. There are only two other players on the roster under twenty six years old for for the Mavericks. And that's Finney Smith and Brunson. Wow! Wow! Big big shade at race balding. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I didn't think about that. Um, <laughs> that's but, your boy. Uh, I know. I know. I your love boy Ray. with the big haircut. Haircut, Ray. What's up, big haircut? Uh, but no, it's so like that, and he just kind of outlines and puts this emphasis on the future, really, and for Dallas to take that next step results in Dennis Smith Jr. taking that next step as a player. 
because where Dallas is at now, they have this. And I thought something he, he pointed out was was really intriguing to me, and I, I didn't really think about this, is how Luka altered the Dennis timeline about how yeah. they drafted Dennis with this mindset of it's going to take a couple of years. It's going It naturally takes rookie point guards a couple of years to adjust to the league, especially rookie point guards that spent just one year in college. They're just ball-dominant point guards like, yeah, the, the thing that he pointed out in the, in the piece was like Kemba Walker spent four years in college and then came in and wasn't good in the NBA or wasn't an efficient scorer until five years into his career. And he's pointing out guys like that. And Kemba's been a guy that we've compared Dennis to. And Dennis played one year at NC State, which was, a you know, we talked about enough before the draft and even after that it was a dysfunctional situation. You know, it wasn't good. The coach was, you know, a mess and everything. And then he comes in and plays one year where he's getting a 30, 30% usage percentage is huge. He's given all this, all this rain and all this, you know, leeway to do all this stuff. And now Doncic comes in and completely, I mean, rocks his world. Probably the first time ever besides, I guess maybe last year, but the first time ever that he's played with somebody that's better than him. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that, even even that idea. And that's what he, and that's what he talked about. And it, it's really, it's important for fans to think about that as far as, Dennis is what you, you he's played on AU teams with, with Michael Porter jr. When he was like at the peak of his powers, but anyway, yeah, yeah. But yeah, that was like, anyway, yeah, I just thought about that. And I was like, ah, I probably overspoke that, but. but you know, this timeline of, Hey, we're probably going to like, we'll take Dennis. It's going to take multiple years for him to adjust to the NBA. That's part of it. Next year's draft. We're probably going to be bad. Dennis's first year. Next year's draft. will probably get a big because it is a big, you know, it, you have Bamba and Jackson and Carter, like all these bigs in this draft. They probably didn't think that there would be any universe they would be able to get their their guy that they think yeah. would be a transcendent star in Luka and have that ability to. And the moment they get Luka, and now 18 games into the season, you have this, and he has this line towards the end of the piece. He said, now the Mavericks are sitting there with this polished rookie that is a star and a bench unit that is, I mean, one of the best bench units in the league. That now their timeline is like it's like expedited some. So it's it it changes how you view somebody like uh, like Dennis and how you might not have the long leash, long patience timeline of that. You might look to hey, how can we get you know better now because Luca changed all of that. Yeah, and this this happens all over the league with different players. You look at, um, you know, the Lakers. As soon as LeBron James came in, it completely changed the timeline for Brandon Ingram. You can no longer and and Lonzo, and it's messing them up a lot right now. You look at, um, I mean, Markel Fultz. As soon as Jimmy Butler comes into that situation, you no longer can start Fultz. You no longer can take your time with trying to bring him back from whatever his situation was. I mean, these these ideas of bringing in a, a star player. This is the aftermath the consequences of it and most of the consequences are great you have a guy that you can build your team around but then you start have to start actually doing it <laughs> and if you're trying to build around him with with you know current pieces that's it's it's interesting i found this quote from carlisle uh, in the piece very interesting he said the goal for dennis is for him to generate pace in the game offensively and be the tone setter on the ball as the point guard defensively that's so that's what they envision for for dennis how, what part of that do you think he's not doing right now? And what part of that do you think he is doing? So generating pace, 
in the offense. Tone setter is on the ball, point guard defensively. I, we've seen flashes of that. I feel like in the Golden State game, it was one of the be- the first half of the Golden State game was probably his best defensive game I maybe have seen him play, where he's just hounding the ball. He's you know putting his hand in passing lanes. He's he's putting forth that effort. He's showing the effort on defense and you know he's using his you know quickness and, and getting steals and all that stuff. And then offensively. I don't know. It's it, it's this very your turn, my turn kind of thing. He's not. It's not generating pace. What what it. I and, think. And what the I take from, thing is, is tough. To well, know. what I take from that that first part of, of that Carlisle quote is his their goal and what they want from him is kind of like uh, what uh, what Roy Williams and everybody you know what uh, they've ran at North Carolina forever is this. Hey, get the ball and run. When Ty Lawson and Hansborough and those guys were at Carolina, I love that team because. Even after a made basket, Ty Lawson looked like he was already past half court. What happened and to Psycho T? What happened to that guy? I love him. Stop it. I will defend him <laughs> to my death. Um, but no, it's like, so I, I kind of view it like that is for him to generate pace. Like they want Dennis to get out and run, like get the ball, go. Like you get a board, you get the ball, like you're super fast and you can jump out of the gym, get the ball, go and try to, you know, score in transition, get that pace going. And so like, that's how I kind of view that and. I think my whole thing with that is what happens when you have half court possessions and uh, you know, how, how does the offense uh, roll through there? And th- that's the, I, I, I thought in speaking on this and one of the quotes from that, I thought a Carlisle quote earlier in there was, um, was my favorite quote from the, from the piece. And it said, as far as on the roles of everyone on the team, yeah. And Carlisle told Charks, he said, we really try to keep our role definition as simple as possible. We have gone through it all, through it with all of our players. They all have a laminated sheet that has five things that are expected of them. Yep. If this doesn't tell you that every single player has their defined role on this team, then I don't know what does. Um, my question and my counter to that is, I would love to know the five things on Wesley Matthews's laminated chart. <laughs> um, that would be uh, something uh, cool to see. But it, it kind of sheds light into, I think, uh, this laminated uh, sheet of five things that are expected of each person. This might be something fun for me and you to do, is to go through and make this sheet uh, for for like every player or something like that. I used to have a bunch of them written down. I want to see if I can find them again. Because I because I, I saw that last year and I started to go through every locker and I didn't know what they were because it's just literally the five words that are written down and I didn't know if it was like this is what this player is but it was funny because like I have a oh what was this? what was what was uh, Doyle's guy from last year Josh McRoberts McRoberts was like was like leadership I was like really <laughs> sit drink cheer yeah. <laughs> no but like. You see those defined roles come into play. I think re- very specifically. Here we go. I, I found it. Wes uh, Matthews, competitor, system defender, shot maker, elite defender, leader. Those are his okay. five. Those are his five words. Dennis, competitor, system defender, pace, paint generator, solid defender, leader by example. Paint generator. Pace slash paint generator. Huh. Dang, he's just making paint. see yeah i I, those are really intriguing to me and i think you see those coming to play while uh, going out while ago when it comes to like maxi and dwight and how their roles are so defined uh different 
for two 6'10 guys coming off the bench and why somebody like Maxi doesn't play those five minutes off the bench because that's not on his sheet. <laughs> like those, like the defined roles for the five man in the system is different than the four. I have Maxi's. I don't have Dwight's, but competitor, system defender, ball mover slash system scorer, consistent defender, energy giver. That's what Maxi's words are. Everybody's has competitor, by the way. <laughs> yeah, and that and that was last year, you know. And how and yeah, it could have changed. What is Maxi's now that he spent the whole summer working on his shot, and they think you know he's trying to improve his shot and all that stuff. Um, but that's part of system score. You know, the shots that he takes yeah. are usually system score. What would Wesley? Why isn't Wesley Matthews a system score? Shot maker. That's what it says on Wes's sheet. <laughs> Let's move on to the next subject. All right, um, let's, let's take a quick no, break. We'll take. There's one, one more thing about the Charks piece. Okay. I want to hit on after this. You want to hit after the break or now? Wow, wow, tease it, tease it, Isaac. Hey, let's tease it. No, you got to. <laughs> no, you got to say something that makes people want to stick around. Oh, okay, okay. I know you're not. You're not. You're not Mike Greenberg, but come on. After the break, <laughs> no. we'll see what. Okay. We'll see. We'll see why Charks says it may not be possible for two Mavericks to be prioritized at the same time. Wow, who could those Mavericks be? Find out. Who could they Coming be? Coming up next. The piece ends. <laughs> That's not where I'm at. <laughs> the clearest path to relevance is for Smith to make a leap, which puts more pressure on Doncic. He has to make Smith better, even though he's better without Smith on the floor. Don- Dallas doesn't need Doncic to reach his potential. The Mavs need Smith to reach his. And then it goes on to say that it may be impossible for them to prioritize both Dennis and Luke at the same time. And that's, I mean, that's the basis of the whole argument and everything right now is this spot that Dallas is in. It's kind of what we're talking about. We mentioned with Philly and McConnell and Fultz and how they're like, hey, we got Jimmy Butler. We want to win now and we're going to prioritize winning. So therefore, we're going to play McConnell over Markel Fultz. When you look at this and when Chark says it may not be possible if they want to win to prioritize both Doncic and Smith at the same time. And he, he says when Doncic is on the court with Dennis for the 405 minutes they played together this season, they have a net rating of a minus 5.5. When when Doncic is on the floor without Dennis, he has a, he's a plus 10.3 on the season net rating uh, for like half of those minutes. So it's he even talks about like it, there's even a further dilemma if some you know some teams that have this issue they stagger their ball handlers and they say okay well if we have this issue we'll just stagger them well like I want to like we'll mention on uh, Nick's uh, ten things you may have missed Dennis and JJ don't play well together <laughs> and uh, Rick Carlisle has made a very strong point of not playing them together so when you have JJ coming off the bench and playing as well as he does it's you how do you stagger those minutes if he's not going to play with Luca and he's not going to play with JJ how how does how does this whole thing work and the the a key thing that he he talked about is how it's almost on Luca and that's kind of how he ends the piece of saying um the clearest path, and we'll just I'll just read it quote for quote, the last line. The clearest path to relevance is for Smith to make a leap, which puts more pressure on Doncic. He has to make Smith better, even though he's better without Smith on the floor. I just read this. The really the last three lines? Yeah. Okay. So yeah, so basically he just says Dallas Welcome back, Isaac. 
<laughs> well, I was thinking of, of this other paragraph. <laughs> it's it's just it's just wild the fact that the way he painted it is for Dennis to reach his potential, they need Luca to help him unlock that. It's like Luca has with if he's with Luca, they said the Mavs need him to help Smith reach his. I almost and, see it as like Luca establishes the Mavs floor. With Luca, the Mavericks are never gonna be, you know, this bad. However, you I'm putting my hand up in the air <laughs> like, to show a height. But with Dennis, that he Dennis determines the Mavs potential in their ceiling. Because yeah. he's either going to drag Luca down or he's going to help, you know, elevate. And and Doncic technically has to, you know, pull him up or you know, push him or whatever. He's the driver of it. But D- Dennis determines how much better they can be. Yeah, which is what a lot of us um, believe. But the fact that Luca, how Charks worded it, that Luca can contribute to. Or how Luca can control and helping Luke, uh, Dennis take that step is very, very intriguing to me. Yeah, well, it's kind of an oxymoron. It's it's this whole idea of trying to be, t- trying to be bad to be better later. You know, it's not tanking, but it's doing something that's not as advantageous. Which, as he said, you know, playing Smith and Luca together is not advantageous to the Mavericks for winning. But it will be later down the line if they you know play well together and they figure it all out together. Yeah. So it's not as good now, but it'll help later. Instead of doing doing the thing that is the best now, which would probably be starting JJ probably, and then you know hurting the the Dennis and Doncic combination later down the line. Yeah, yeah. There you go. So yeah, go read the piece. There's good stuff in there. Um, there's a dig at Chandler Parsons that everyone will appreciate. So. <laughs> and Harrison Barnes. Um, do we have time to talk about your ten things? Yeah, we got a couple or- minutes. Okay, Nick Nick put out a video today and it has his face all over the video. So make sure you go watch <laughs> I'm it. Trying to get it not taken down. <laughs> I'm trying to get the money for it whenever I can. <laughs> there uh, there are a couple of uh, things I wanted. Do you have these stats in front of me? Because I just have them written down. Yeah, the Dennis and JJ stats uh, together. I knew you'd be into that one. So we've been talking about this on the podcast, and ev- after every single game, I've been monitoring this um, seven times. Out of the 15 times that Dennis Smith Jr. and J.J. Bray have been active during the same game. So they've only been active 15 times at the same time. Seven of those times, so almost half, their minutes have added up to exactly 48 minutes. Exactly, down to the second. There was one game where it was six seconds off. So there's technically eight, but uh, (laughs) it's wild. That doesn't tell you a coach doesn't like them playing together. I do not know Literally abandoned it. (laughs) And la- well, so what was the stat last year? They played 395 minutes together over 54 games. This season, they've played five minutes together across five games. <laughs> it's basically an accident. <laughs> yeah, it really is. It's like somebody missed a substitution, and Rick looks out there and is like, "Holy crap, they're in there together!" All right, Brunson or somebody, come out here and <laughs> Jamal. Why'd you tell me to put him in? <laughs> Wes, go get JJ out or Dennis or somebody. Like they can't play. And oh man. Yeah, that that was something I've been tracking. I like the Luca post ups one too. Yeah, Luca has been posting up. He's essentially posting up two more times than he did at the beginning of the season. So at the beginning of the season, I think his first uh, first five games he posted up seven times. His the middle nine games he posted up four total times, and then the last four games he's posted up eleven times. So he started at the beginning of the season. He would do it like every once in a while. In the middle of the season, you know, in the middle of these games that he's played. 
not at all, just barely at all. And then these last four, he's really tried to do it and take advantage of matchups. And he did. Yeah, I mean, he did it five times against Kyrie, so that kind of skews it a little. But well, when when and that's one of those advantages of when they run Luca, they run point Luca, they put the wings around him. The point guards got to guard somebody, and you know the if they don't guard Wes or if they put him on Luca, then Luca goes to the post, and man, Luca's already smooth as heck with his fadeaway and stuff like that. And it's not just smaller guys like Brooklyn put Joe Harris on him, and he took him right to the post and shot this fadeaway yeah. <laughs> shot just right in his face, and I mean. So Luca's already got the post game down to him operating out of the post is wild. Like that pass, he jumped and threw it across to the corner to Harrison Barnes, and uh, it was either Brooklyn or Boston. I mean, his vision out of the post—that's that's a whole different conversation. It's great. Uh, one, I want to bring up one more thing, and then if you have anything else, but the uh, the way that the, that's that fifty point Jazz game skews the numbers for the Mavericks is crazy. We've talked about this a little bit. But the Mavs' defensive rating is 107. That ranks 8th in the NBA, or at least at the time of this video, it ranked 8th. If you take out the 50-point Jazz win, their their defensive rating drops to 109.4. So it drops 2.4 points, which is a lot of points. And their ranking would drop from 8th in the NBA, so they're a top 10 defense, to 19th. So they're a a bottom half of the the league defense if you take out that one 50-point Jazz win. Their defensive rating in the 50-point Jazz win was 67.3. It's the it's the best defensive rating in any single game from any team this season by 10 points. That's funny. <laughs> I was I was wondering it's how wild. that that game alters like uh their point differential. <laughs> and Oh yeah. Just like where they're at on that list uh compared cuz I heard um Kevin Pelton and uh, Windhorse is some of them talking about on their the uh, ESPN pod, and they're like, "Oh, well, look at point differential. That helps tell you where the stand." And I was thinking in my head, I'm like, "Dude, that Jazz win had to just throw everything off on that for for Dallas." Yeah, because what if they're like plus fifty? Like, oh, well, they're probably a negative. They're a negative fifty yeah. point differential. Uh, I like what I I know. We talked about this. I don't know if you talked about this on the pod or not. So we I can never remember what By we talked about. Their the point pod. differential is. Plus one point six. Okay, I guess that's an average. So, um, that's how, not good. How the Mavericks are one of two teams that have five players to hit three or yeah, what's that stat? yeah, yeah. So there's there's two teams in the entire NBA that currently employ five players or more that make one point five threes or more per game. It's the Mavericks and the Timberwolves. Uh, so the Mavericks guys are Luca. Uh, Barnes, Dorian Finney-Smith, Dennis, and Wes. Minnesota guys are Towns, Rose, Wiggins, Dario, and Robert Covington. So they make one and a half threes per game. There's there's a lot of options. So so really, fun. before that Butler trade, they probably were alone. Yes. I mean, I know the recent game since then you know, helped make that point for the Mavericks too, but for the most part, because Taj Gibson would not uh, be making one and a half threes per game. No. And then on the other side, Embiid, Reddick, Dario, Robert Covington, and then, I don't know, if you, McConnell maybe, if you name one else, one other player. but Ben Simmons. Nope. Not even taking 1.5. <laughs> anyway, so I just thought that was interesting. Um, yeah, the Mavericks make 11.9 threes per game. That's seventh in the NBA. So even though they have all those guys, they're – they don't have one person that's taking and making a ton of threes during the game. Huh. So there's that was our, those are my three uh, things that I really liked, um, or stat-wise. 
yeah, go check out the video. Really appreciate it if you did. Uh, if you see a comment that's really negative, go and uh, dunk on them. <laughs> go dunk on them. Hey, guys, uh, tonight <laughs> is uh, the Houston game. Oh, uh, for- yeah. First game, man, for uh, for Luca against uh, the Rockets, and you know Mavs fans, we get super hyped for this uh, rivalry and and all that stuff. Uh, looks like Dennis uh, is on track to play tonight, which will be which will be cool. Uh, I think Dwight Powell is questionable for tonight's game in Houston. It'd be nice if we, uh, if the Mavericks could have the full squad. If they can keep their bench, this is massive because the Rockets bench is like terrible, absolutely terrible. Yeah. And the Rockets just lost last night or two nights ago. Uh, Harden put up, uh, they went into three overtimes with the Wizards, didn't they? Or two overtimes. <laughs> and Harden put up 50 something points yeah. and the Wizards beat them. And um, I don't know, I, I don't think Chris Paul played in that game. So we don't know the status for Chris Paul for tomorrow. Uh, this was as of, so as of Wednesday. Chris Paul is questionable according to Mike D'Antoni. Uh, he's better than yesterday. We'll see. We don't want to rush it. He's close. I think it's you know a hamstring, but so he's questionable. So we'll see if they both if they if if both James Harden and Chris Paul play. I think they're eight and four. Eight and four, really? Yep. When both those guys play, huh? So I'm very, looking at the very bad when one of them doesn't. <laughs> that means they're they're one in six when it's only one of the two. I'm looking at the official NBA um, injury report as of 8.30 tonight in which both teams had to submit their thing. Um, oh, yeah. I forgot about that thing. Luka is questionable for tonight's game. Um, he had an illness. He didn't practice today. So, um, yeah, he was at home retweeting uh, Ringer videos and watching <laughs> uh, Isaac Lee's video. Um, uh, but, but he went out and played uh, virtual top golf today with his buddies. So, he's good. So yeah, the uh, on the official NBA injury report, Luca, Dennis, and Dwight Powell are all questionable for the Rockets game. Uh, I would expect Dennis and Luca to play that game. I'm not for sure about Dwight Powell. As far as the Rockets, hey Nick, Carmelo Anthony's out. I didn't know if he's officially out. He's officially out. Is that? Dang. I was looking forward been, to the farewell tour. That should have been a special report, inside reporting, right there. That should have that should have made that. But yeah, and it has Chris Paul is questionable for the game. All right, there you go, Rockets game tonight, guys. Hope you're enjoying the podcast. Uh, if you have a friend that's a Mavericks fan, tell them about the podcast. We really appreciate it. We've grown a ton over the last couple of weeks, and uh, if you ha- if you haven't subscribed already, you can do it on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher. We're on Spotify. If you're a Spotify person, we're on Overcast. We're on Podcast Addict. We're on. Uh, I put some of them on my YouTube channel, so you can go to my YouTube channel and, and watch the little video with the little uh, bar, the audio bar that can bounce up and down. You can see our faces on it. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> if that if that's a way that you like to listen. If you do YouTube Red, I guess that would be the best way. Pretty much anywhere that you can possibly listen to a podcast, this podcast is on it. Completely agree. So thanks for listening to Lockdown Maps. Peace out. Boom. Pete James Harden.